Welcome to the Business of Family. I'm your host, Mike Boyd, and this is my look into the world of multi-generational wealth creation, family enterprise, stewardship, family office investing, and the curation of a legacy. On the podcast, I interview members of some of the world's most interesting families to hear how they pass knowledge, resources, values, and wealth to the next generation. I hope you will enjoy sharing this learning journey with me and would greatly appreciate any feedback or referrals you have to offer. To sign up to my weekly Business of Family newsletter, go to businessoffamily.net forward slash newsletter. Aaron Chin is a second generation business leader and the CEO of Organica a family-led Canadian company which is dedicated to providing innovative premium health products to inspire people to live healthier lives. Growing up in the business motivated Aaron to build on what his father started 30 years ago. Since assuming leadership of Organica in partnership with his brother Jordan, they have increased the business sevenfold and have grown the company into an award-winning, globally recognized brand focused on innovation and a vibrant company culture. Aaron, it's great to have you with us on the show today. Thank you again for joining. Mike, thanks so much for having me. It's an absolute honor. I'm really looking forward to this one. So let's get into it. I'd love to hear where your family business journey starts. You're second gen and you've taken over from your father, from what I understand, but where did this all begin and how do you become involved in this story? Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool story because my, my dad, we're, we're, we're based in Canada. Our business is based in Canada, but my dad actually came from Malaysia. So he came to Canada at the age of about 17. And, and really at the time, like before we got into the whole natural thing, his, his basic dream when he moved here from Malaysia with like 300 bucks in his pocket was to really allow, you know, his future sons, which is myself and my two brothers, a chance to eat ice cream whenever we wanted. You know, back in Malaysia, our, our, our family was not too well off. And every time the ice cream truck would come around, you know, my grandma would run to the, the doors and the blinds and close them and, and, and whatnot. And, but as you know, with ice cream trucks, they're very loud. And even if you shove the kid in the back of the house, he's still going to hear, right? So my, my dad, essentially, when he grew up, he really never had a chance to eat, eat ice cream. And when he moved here, it was at the time where my mom was pregnant with my older brother at the time. And back in the day, when you have kidney stones, you actually had to go for surgery. And you had to be in the hospital for a few days. Whereas now you can just take a sonar laser and the kidney stone can be gone tomorrow. So obviously he didn't want to go into the hospital. So he went, he went and called his buddy named Kim in the natural health industry. He said, Hey, Kim, how can I get rid of this kidney stone naturally? And Kim was like, Hey, Tom, take a cut of turmeric, which is an anti-inflammatory. Take a pound of parsley, which is a diuretic. Mix that with juice and water. And your stone will pass. Lo and behold, after three days of doing that, his stone passed and he was fascinated with natural healing. And, you know, we started with four products and today we offer over 250 and, and we're, we just celebrated our 30th, uh, 30th anniversary as well. So it's, it's been an incredible journey. And, and my dad's mission when he originally started the company was just basically, Mike, just to help people live healthier. What did he mean by that? Like his vision was really to make health accessible for all, right? And at that time, back in the late 80s, early 90s, the only competitors, you know, in Canada, say, were only selling products for like 200, 300% margins that only the uber wealthy and the Singaporean high rises could afford 
Organica or vitamins at the time, right? So he's like, well, why can't everyone in the kampongs enjoy too? And, and I can still make good healthy margin. So that's really where he was able to find a good niche in the market when he started was, you know, not taking 200% margins like these other companies were, but making health accessible and still making a good living. So that's, you know, the beginnings of, of Organica. That's in, an incredible story. I love the piece about the ice cream as well. Needless to say, Mike, obviously, my dad's worked so hard that we can eat ice cream whenever we want. So he's a happy guy. That's fantastic. And do you? Do you indulge uh, yeah, in ice cream you know, whenever he, you want? He, you know what? I, I, ice cream does mean a lot to our family. Like I, I definitely do eat a lot, and I definitely do get grateful every time I eat it because when you see your, your parent work so hard to, to really make something happen and you know better our lives, you know, you you really get a sense of gratefulness, and and we're blessed for sure. Mm. It, it's incredibly symbolic. I love stories like that, particularly that turn into family traditions or symbols. So he immigrated to Canada when he was seventeen. Did he start the business soon after, or was it after getting into many other jobs and opportunities that he found this one? Yeah, so he he pretty much started right after. So he he finished his undergrad in three years. He went into his MBA at, at University of Washington right after, and he was working maybe for a few years, you know, in a warehouse, and he wasn't happy with what he was doing. Right, so that's what really sparked him to to really dream and believe he could he could do something bigger and better for for people. And how did the business then develop? So did it start with one? storefront and and slowly grow a physical footprint i know that you've got a, a digital arm to the business today but how did mm-hmm. it begin yeah it's, it's it's actually a pretty incredible story because if you guys don't know canada you know obviously the natural health industry it's, it's a very caucasian industry right and my dad's obviously an immigrant from you know asia and he essentially started with four SKUs, four products our korean red ginseng our vitamin c our ginkgo biloba and our garlic which we still have today which is crazy but he would literally, he would put the products, put the packages, put his pamphlets. He hand drew his first first few, you know, um, flyers. He would drive across Canada. And if anybody knows Canada, it isn't Singapore, Mike. You can't drive to one side in 20 minutes. Like to drive to the other side of Canada, you're spending two, three weeks, you know, maybe more to drive across. So he was literally, he put like, you know, over like half a million miles like on his car. And he really built the business himself, just going into all these nooks and crannies, these small towns. And that's why I'm, I'm super grateful as well as, you know, when, when I'm obviously in the business now, because can I ever complain about a red eye flight? Heck no, this guy was driving, you know, across Canada and, you know, sleeping in the back of his van and stuff like that. And just, just, the, just the adversity he faced, you know, obviously not being Caucasian and going into all these small towns in Canada. Like there was many times where people would, you know, literally rip his catalog in his face and tell him to his face, you know, get the F out, you dirty, you know, you can fill in the blank. But, you know, he kept going and he, what really was driving him was obviously the mission of to, to helping people live healthier, but also giving, you know, us as, as kids a, a better life. So that's really my inspiration, definitely to this day, even, even to this day. A true entrepreneur. And he, he certainly has made an impact and left a legacy by the sounds of it. hundred percent. And speaking of legacy, you and your brother, got involved in the business. What age were you and how did that transition take place? Was it destined to be, you know, did you grow up with this expectation that you would come into the family business or was it some other circumstance that brought you in? Yeah. So the, the, the cool thing, Mike, with, 
with my dad is he's not your typical Asian dad in the sense of, yes, he had his expectations, but, you know, growing up for me, I never had a curfew. He also never, ever forced us once to work in the business. Like he, he said, Hey guys, it's here if you want it. But he never, ever said, you know, you need to work here every summer and uh, you need to do your business degree now and you need to do this, 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 and that. Like he was like, Hey guys, if you want it, it's here. Uh, you know, he's just, he's just saying, I, I built it for you. Right. But for me personally, yeah, I, I always knew I wanted to work in the business from a very young age. I would, I would work the summers at organic. I would, I would work other odd jobs too. I used to work at like Burger King, flipping burgers and the movie theaters, cleaning up popcorn all over the floor. But, you know, I always knew I wanted to work in the business because the most uh, memorable moment for me when I was growing up actually was, was actually when my dad would go to different trade shows. He would come back with all the samples, the healthy food samples, and I would just love it. It would be like Halloween every time he went away. And for me, I, I just took a really uh, good interest when I was younger and moved from there in terms of my dedication and my passion towards industry because I was the kid at the age of 12 going into my hockey, you know, my hockey dressing room with a bag of a Ziploc bag of freshly pressed cordyceps mushrooms in a capsule. And my coach is being like, what the hell is this, Aaron? Is this legal? Uh, like, who is this drugs? Like, who's giving this to you? And I said, no, 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 it helps with performance. Because if you don't know, cordyceps mushrooms actually help with, you know, nitric oxide production, helps with your focus as well. So, yeah, I've been through and through since a young age, really, really into natural health and just really believing in, in what it can do for people and how it can help. I can imagine that would have raised some interesting conversations, you know, as a as a young man, as a teenager, walking around with a little baggie full of mushrooms. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Especially when they're little capsules, you know. There's there's no bottle and label, so. But it, but it was pretty cool because you know my brother is also in the business. He's our president and, and COO, and and we actually started at the same time. So we 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 graduated our, our university degrees at the same time, and and we and we popped right into it right away because I think for us as we got older. And especially for me is we just saw how much potential organic it had and how much, how much it wasn't doing at that certain point in time. And, and we, we just knew we could obviously 10x, you know, my dad's vision to help more people, which, which is basically till this day what drives us, right? Amazing. So let's hear about that. When you first came into the business, was your father still in it and active and running things day to day? And you came in to sort of learn from him or did you have to step in and actually take the reins at an early age? Yeah, it was it, it was super interesting because my dad up until that point, I'd say until my brother and I joined about, you know, eight years ago now, he really wasn't involved in the business in terms of the entrepreneurial pushing side of the business. Because in a in a business like organic specifically the natural health, if you don't have an entrepreneur driving the business in terms of your innovation, your relationships, it's not a good recipe for success. And he really took a step back and he had a management team that he put in charge. And and really what we saw was a team that really didn't care, number one, and was really complacent. So for us, when, when we came on board, we, we just knew like we needed to make some big changes in order to get to where we want to get, uh, you know, the company to and the business to, right? So that's really what we walked into. I imagine coming into a management team that, maybe hadn't been as proactive as they could have been. And then, you know, these two young guys come in fresh out of college or university with these big ideas. How did that go? I mean, was there a bit of a clash or is there still a clash today? How did you navigate that? Yeah, Mike, I'm, I mean, people can't see, but I have a big smile on my face when you're repeating that. Just going to bring back so much memories. 
I'll give you an example. You know, my first day, my, my dad put me in purchasing. Okay. I was a perch. I started as a purchasing assistant. My first day I walk in, my boss doesn't even say hi to me. I walk in, get my desk set up, whatever. And he walks in, he checks his voicemail first thing in the morning. And you know, when you have voicemails and you got a lot of them, you'll hear at least the first like two words that says, Hey, I'm Mike from, you know, room. I just saw him. There's like 16 new messages and he just went, like delete, 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 didn't even hear anything. So I was like, holy shit, this is like, I don't even, maybe it was my dad calling or I don't know whoever else is calling, but like, I was like, this is crazy. Like this guy is not even checking the first name of who's calling. So that's kind of where we started. And and for me in the family business, specifically the dynamic, you know, I was pretty much working investment banking hours, like not getting paid like an investment banker, but, you know, working investment banking hours. And, and really I wanted to set, you know, the standard and the stage that, Hey, I'm not here for a handout. You know, I, I'm not a silver spoon. You know, it's funny because I was literally, I, I, I still remember to this day, like that whole year specifically, I was the first one in, last one to leave every single day. And I, I just had to do it to really send a message to everybody that, hey, like, this is me. Like, I'm not here to just mess around and, and not contribute, right? So, yeah, so that's kind of the journey to starting. Would you say that when you were first in, last out, were you sending the message to the wider employee group or were you sending the message to your father i I would say probably a bit of both to be honest now now that you ask like like i said my dad's never ever put pressure on us so it's more just it's an internal pressure to do well for him because obviously he's entrusted us in in certain things right but yeah i I would say but to be honest mostly it it was to the to the greater team just just really trying to you know stick the ground and and really say, hey, this is the expectation. When I when I rise up, this is going to be the expectation. So you know, you you better buckle up, kind of thing, right? So yeah, yeah, that's excellent. How long did it take you to really get control and and build momentum? You know, you started in purchasing and and no doubt worked your way up. How long did it take you to learn the business and really start to make an impact? Yeah, you know what? It it was pretty much right away because when when I had my boss like that, like I. It, it would it just wasn't in me not to do a good job. So within the first six months, you know, I saved the company like six hundred thousand dollars just by, you know, getting RFPs and RFQs out, you know, like just something basic and simple like that. And within the first six months as well, my my dad said to my brother and I, he sat us down and he said, Guys, the ceiling that I have set is your floor. AKA his max that he topped out on that he worked his tail off to get to was literally where Jordan and I were starting. And that really hit me at that time, like really, really deep. Cause I was like, holy shit, like this guy literally just said where he tapped out is literally where we're starting. So there's only, the, the only way is up. So he, he, he actually tasked us with putting a six month plan and literally a five-year business plan together within the first six months. And we came back after the first six months in the job. And what we really found was like, we literally dissected the whole competitors in in the industry, in the whole industry. We literally went from who owns them, you know, if it was private equity, if it was public, if it was family run, who was actually running the company, where they were in their life and where they were in their career and what were they actually doing. And what we saw was literally an industry ripe for the taking in terms of people were complacent. People weren't innovating anymore. People were happy with where they were. So we really felt, you know, if we could change, I'm not going to say a few things because it wasn't a few things. There's a lot of things. If we change a lot of things, we could really, you know, gain market leadership in different areas of, of the industry. And we, you know, I like 
through, you know, being blessed and hard work, you know, we've been able to get that and, you know, six different categories today. And now we're, we're market leaders in Canada. That's amazing. So pa- paint a picture for us of what Organica is today. Let's just fast forward to today, all of the journeying, all of the, all of the lessons learned. What does the business look like today? What's the footprint? Yeah, the footprint, you know, across Canada, like we're where we started when we started in the business, we were only available in, let's say, your mom and pop's retail food stores. And as we've grown the business, we've, we're pretty much available everywhere health products are sold. So, you know, your grocery stores, your drug stores, you know, your big mass market chains like Costco, your online Amazon. And, and that really goes from the mission. That's what I always tell people. It's like, you start with the mission of the company and that'll help drive, you know, your decisions after that, right? Because if, if our goal is to help people live healthier at a basic, at a basic, basic level, we're not doing our job if we're not making our products available on a wider scale. So that's, that's really where our, our distribution of that is. We're, we're the market leaders in six different products and we're literally available everywhere health products are sold in Canada. And has the product variety grown as well in terms of the market segments you're serving? Is it the same traditional business but scaled up or have you also innovated in terms of the products that you're offering and the markets that you're pursuing? Yeah, it was it was super interesting because it was probably I'd say like six months to a year into the business we had we had dinner at home one night and my little brother he's he's quite a bit younger than my my older brother and I and his name's Gabe and we just I just said hey Gabe what'd you have at lunch today and at, at the time he was in high school and he's like oh I had a smoothie I was like what like when I was in high school it was burgers fries hamburgers you know chicken strips. And like cookies and donuts, like those were the only things available. And like, it was kind of like a spark in my brother and I's head because we said, holy smoke, there is a whole new generation coming up that is not going to be inconvenienced by going out of their way to get health products or have healthy food. They expect it in their daily life. So that was a big pivot for us because at that time when we joined, we were 95% your traditional vitamins, your vitamin pills and tablets. Now we're probably like, 30% 30% vitamins and supplements and the rest superfoods, powders, drink mixes, snack items, etc. So we've really pivoted the business to being more of a, you know, food-based line, let's say. That's amazing. And so have you picked up a younger cohort and you're targeting at them with this new product line or is there a, a older generation also interested in these superfoods and powders and things now as well? Yeah, the the really cool thing is the millennial generation specifically, they're so influential because now they're having kids, but also everyone, like their parents are looking to them for advice on how to get healthier, et cetera. So yeah, we've, since we've pivoted our line, we, we've definitely gone younger. You know, I'd say, you know, millennials and Gen Z's probably make up the majority of our, of our people that we target. But in terms of the people that buy, you know, it's definitely the older generation as well, because, you know, the generation, older generation has a disposable income and, and they want to get healthier. And they're listening to these, you know, younger people on on what they're taking. It's because it's their sons or their, or their daughters or, you know, their nieces or nephews, right? So it's, it's it's really influential demographic or cohort, let's say. Absolutely. I want to go back to the family dynamics again. You and your brother came in, took roles around the same time in the company, and today you're leading it. So how did that actually take place? Did you work for a number of years to try and prove yourself to the business and to your father and then ultimately 
sort of take the reins? Did you have to jostle for control or agree that with your brother and your father? I mean, how did, how did that discussion take place and how did the leadership transition actually come about? Yeah, you know what? That, that's like, I, I asked like other family business leaders and other family business. And, and it's so funny because everyone, every story is so unique. For, for us specifically, like growing up, you know, in, in an Asian home, we, we never ever talked about money or, or roles or titles, stuff like that growing up. So as we, you know, moved up in, in our specific roles within the company, there, there wasn't really like a big thing where it's like my dad had this grand plan that, hey, I was going to be CEO and my brother president or, or vice versa, et cetera. It, it was really when we went through an investment process that's really where things got a lot clearer in terms of roles, future outlook, you know, splitting of, you know, shares, et cetera. Because, you know, previous to that, we didn't talk about any of that. Like literally it's like taboo to kind of talk about that and kind of ask for that too. Right. So it's not, it's not your, you know, your typical families that I don't know, maybe are have grown up in, in North America where that's kind of part of the fabric kind of thing. So yeah, we, we, to be honest, we, we never, we never ever discussed like from a young age of like, Oh, you're taking this, you're taking that. It was really up until the point where, you know, we we were going, getting an investment and saying, okay, here, you know, here I'm step, like stepping down from the CEO role, but he was never really doing the CEO role up until that point. But obviously you need somebody to replace that CEO role. It happened to be interesting. Me. So he was, you know, sort of in a pseudo CEO role since forever, I imagine, but you guys came in and you were, running the company, scaling the company, and he wasn't really there day-to-day by the sounds of it, but there was never any title changes or anything. Everyone was just getting in and doing the work. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. It was like, I think as well, to be honest, that also caused a lot of my frustration, you know, with growing up, you know, kind of having that pusher mentality of, at the end of the day, people always look to the CEO to see maybe how hard they should push and, and try. And there was a bit of a tension because, you know, let's say my dad wasn't really involved in the business yet. He still had the title and stuff like that. So for me, it was, it was a lot of definitely a lot of maturing and a lot of understanding to, to get to the point where I'm at today. Right? So, Was that challenging for you to even in just measuring your own progress? You know, did you have, did you seek that achievement of, working your way up through titles or feeling like you were accomplishing milestones and measuring yourself and, and your self-identity from that? Or was it just that you wanted to be able to lead and set the tone for the organization as the CEO? Yeah, it's, I would say it's a combination. Like definitely I wanted that CEO position to really set the standard in terms of the expectations throughout the organization. But it's funny, like I, I would say like at the beginning of my career, I, I was very... Maybe it was because of my age, like, like I, I started when I was 22, like fresh out of university. And, you know, you, you also got to look at the land of like the natural health industry. When I say it was complacent, like the natural health industry was like same cultures, Caucasians in their fifties or sixties running their businesses or in the management positions. And here comes a 23 year old Asian guy into, you know, all these big meetings and big buyer meetings. It's, it's definitely you know, a shock. And, you know, for me specifically, like I never, at the beginning, I was like very like, I didn't care what my title was kind of thing. But then as I got older, I think I realized how important a title was in terms of some people are stuck to the title. Some people aren't stuck to the title, but some people are very stuck to the title. So if they're very stuck to the title, you can't really turn them or motivate them or position them 
just because they're just so hierarchical, right? So that I was at, at closer to when I became the CEO, I was, I then at that point, I knew how important a title was in terms of, you know, having a, a culture that, you know, you want to be proud of and you want to spread throughout the whole organization kind of thing. Cause you still have people saying, Oh no, this guy's a CEO, you know, you only have to do this or, you know, this is the expectation kind of thing. So it just helped create clarity throughout the organization in terms of, okay, he's got the final decision and he's, we're following him. Right. So, yeah, I can imagine. No, that's that's excellent. Thank you for sharing. Where does Jordan and Gabe fit into all of this? Did you guys have to figure out amongst yourselves who was going to play which role? And was that difficult? Or as brothers, have you always had a clear understanding of who was going to lead? And before you answer that, there's one specific follow up that I'll sort of preempt now. You are talking about being an Asian family. And I think it's interesting that you highlighted earlier that you're not the eldest son. I think you said Jordan's your older brother. So how did you ultimately uh, arrive at the CEO role? And was that something that Jordan was on board with or that you two ultimately sort of had to fight it out? Yeah, yeah. You know what? It's, it, it, it's another cool story too, because like growing up, like my brother and I, we never got along. I'm talking about Jordan, the one that's in the, actually in the business. Like we hated each other. We're we're a year and a half apart. He's he's older than me, and like we were butt heads about everything growing up. It, it, it wasn't until we reached our twenties where we really matured and and really became best friends. And I think through having a, an extremely good relationship with my family, you know, there's my parents went through a divorce, and there are a few big things that happened in our family that really brought us close together. And having that tightness within our family, and and that love, and that trust, and that understanding between us, I think has really helped us in the business because my brother and I were complete opposites. Like literally if, if you like, we, we just, we actually just did a disc test, literally the opposite of the personalities and, and whatnot. And, and he's, he's extremely thoughtful. He's more strategic. He's more laid back. He likes to think things through where I'm go, 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 go. And I think that's what makes us successful as a family business because we're not two alphas trying to bite each other's heads off and None of us have an ego where it's like, you know, no, I, I have to be right and this and that, right? It's, it's no, like we might disagree on stuff, but if we come to a conclusion on something, we're sure as hell going to support the other brother and make it a success, right? So yeah, it was like, I would say my brother is like, like you talk about being an Asian family and him being the older brother, like you, he was essentially the golden child growing up, right? So I think, you know, having his support has, has really meant the world to me. And, and I think it's super rare, like just to have somebody so in your corner and and so egoless in terms of titles and, you know, having that, you know, top dog position. And yeah, I, I can't say enough about him and the support, you know, he, he gives to me and obviously to the business. Yeah. Just amazing. Amazing. It is super rare. So congratulations for what the two of you have and have no doubt nurtured together. That's fantastic to hear. You also mentioned that growing up, you never talked about money. You never talked about percentages or shareholdings or anything like that. But you also alluded to that all came about and those discussions happened when you went through an investment process. So I'd love to get into that. What, what sort of investment process did you go through and how did you ultimately formalize the business and have those discussions for the first time? Yeah, really for us, it was, it was really just about taking our business to the next level in terms of professionalizing our business because we always knew like in order to scale, you know, in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70 millions, you need that support. And just in terms of your, your know-how, how to set up proper structure, corporate governance, 
you know, how to get a bank debt, you know, et cetera. And we just didn't have that because we kind of ran the business for, you know, well, we did run the business for 30 years or 29 years up until that point going, there's money in the bank. We're good. You know, like it wasn't, you know, we're projecting on 12 months of cash flow and, you know, your, 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 your monthly statements and stuff like that. Like it was just, so we, we knew uh, we wanted to really professionalize that side of our business in terms of the finance side. So that's why we went through the investment process and, and really picked a partner that was going to be hands off in terms of the things that we thought we were good at, right? Which is the sales, marketing, innovation side, right? We, we would love somebody's help in just in terms of the finance side, which is what our, our partner has been able to give. But in terms of the sales marketing side, you know, we, we got it. We, we, we think we can, we, we think we know what we're doing. <laughs> so it was about getting an injection of capital and expertise. Did you, and so you ultimately partnered with private equity, did you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's, 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 it's been a really good relationship because it's like how I like to put it to people is when, when, when you bring in private equity, it's kind of like an MBA without going to MBA, like without going to school. Right? It's, it's, they're just bringing so much knowledge on the way they see things in terms of businesses and, and how to, what, what they're looking for and how to translate that into your business and, and how to be more efficient in certain regards and how to look at different things in a different way. And it's, and it's really been an incredible experience thus far. And, and I can't say enough, enough good things, you know, about partnering with, with somebody with like the strong financial background where, you know, for us, we, we don't, right. Yeah. I went to business school, but it's not like I was a, CA growing a chartered accountant that I studied for and stuff like that. I probably had two or three courses on corporate finance and accounting and that was it, right? So then you were out in the real world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, <laughs> exactly. So that process, what was the intention starting out? Was it to ultimately sort of sell down a little bit, take some chips off the table and and diversify the family? Was that part of it? Or was it all about injecting capital into the business? To help with the scaling process yeah i would say it was definitely a bit of both because you know obviously you know your dad worked so hard in the business for you know 28 29 years up until that point obviously you know nothing's ever promised tomorrow right? and like it's really not like we can look back at this year and say holy moly like who could ever have thought corona was coming right so you know i think it was smart of him to you know obviously take some chips off the table but also at the same time bring in a partner that was going to help us grow help us scale and help us clean up the things that we need to do in order to make that next step and, and really, uh, you know, hit that next stage of our growth and our evolution of our business and our company. So that, that was really the, the point in, in that whole process for sure. And did you end up interviewing a number of different PE firms or did you have one that reached out to you that just seemed like a great fit? Like, where did they come from? How did, how did that occur? Yeah. Yeah. So we actually hired a, uh, like an investment broker and, and they helped facilitate you know different introductions to different people and we we were talking probably about 15 you know submitted an eoi and expression of interest and then when we got down to the loi stage it was probably about five different groups and yeah so we we, we interviewed a ton it was at the end of the day you you want to know who you're getting in bed with and you want to do your due diligence and you want to make sure you're picking the right person right so uh, it wasn't just that we went really nilly into it and kind of closed our eyes and and put something on the on the board it was like no we went wide eyes you know, both wide open into 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 a new relationship. If you don't mind me asking this question, did they end up taking a majority or a minority piece of the business? And and what's the vision now? You know, is this a stepping stone towards achieving a bigger exit for everyone? You know, returning the PE capital and return, but also for the family, or is it still considered 
a family business, and this is just a leg up in terms of getting to the next level of scale. Yeah, I would say it's still a family business, and, and definitely the next is definitely going to help us take that next leg leg up because. You know, I, my, my vision specifically for organic is I really want to like, yeah, we're distributed everywhere in Canada, but you know, I really want to see us in every single home in Canada. Like, I don't think we'll be finish our job or reach our vision until we're in every single home in Canada. So let's say I'm going to my buddy's house who has some cousin who's not even interested in health. Like I, I, I want to see an organic product on his shelf or his kitchen counter somewhere. And, and I really feel uh, there's a lot of work to do, but it, it's definitely attainable in the sense of. We, we have the right, let's say the right tools right now, and we just need to use them. So. Is there a timeline from PE that you have to, you know, try and hit something and exit within five to seven years, you know, with the lifetime of the fund or, and, and does that align with the family's goals? I imagine. Yeah. That, that, that's the cool thing about like when we were whittling down, like who we wanted to partner with, it was, it, it, there's really, they haven't pressured us at all in terms of timeline or, here's what we need to hit or here's what we need to do. And, and that's what attracted us to our current partner was, you know, hey, like the family needs to make the decision when to go to the market, right? If we do decide to, right, in the future. So it's been, yeah, it's been really good thus far just in terms of, you know, partnership and, and being aligned with, with what we're working towards, which is essentially just to make sure organic is not just in more homes in Canada, but in more countries. Like we're working on some things in the U.S. and, and in Asia and in a bigger way. So we just... Last month, we just shipped out our first products to Japan, a new country for us. So there's a lot more to, to really go after, definitely. Yeah, very nice. How about company culture? Would you say that it's unchanged or has it also morphed as a result of PE coming in and having an impact on the business? Yeah, I would say the culture is pretty much the same. Culture hasn't changed. Like it's organic is a, like whenever people ask me that, I always say it's a very unique culture because it's a culture where you can really see who's two feet in or one foot in one foot out like because we're not like a massive business or you know we don't have a massive workforce like we only have like 130 people like you literally have to see that same person every day and you have to work with that person in multiple projects multiple times in a day right so you can't have any of the big cpg or big corporation companies where you know you might not like somebody and you never have to see them again well shit you're gonna have to see this guy every day you're gonna have to work with them in multiple projects so you're gonna have to get along and and for us you know it's it's a very unique culture like i said where you can really see who's dedicated and who's in and who's not it's like it's as clear as day just because the way we have to move in terms of how fast we need to move in 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 our industry and how quick we need to change things it's it's really unique because you need to be able to like every single person needs to be entrepreneurial here when you know in our offices when you walk in we have a big slogan that literally says make it better like that's the kind of mindset everyone needs to have at organic it's never be complacent like if you literally can tweak one little thing in your process that could save you 30 minutes like make it better go for it do it right so that's that's kind of what we want to preach you know obviously to to the to the whole team in terms of that responsibility. And it really could be anything. It could be a process, could be a product, could literally be, hey, I walked in the building today and the door didn't close properly. Am I going to walk by and not let anybody know? Or, or am I going to tell the the facility manager right away that it's not working? Right? So that's, that's really how we try to approach it. Yeah, that's fantastic. I really resonate with that. Is that something that yourself and Jordan inculcated in the business through your leadership? Or was it something that was already there from at the very beginning with your father's leadership? Yeah, I, I would say it, it probably was 
like no it and not probably it definitely was when my dad was actively running the business but we definitely got away from it when he wasn't run, actively running the business so when Jordan and I came on board it was it, it, it was a lot of change like we like we had to turn over like 80% of our management team right in, in within like 2 years of like us did we make a lot of mistakes along the way heck yeah because but that's the beauty of my dad is he actually let us make the mistakes he wasn't an overcoddling you know, protective dad. He said, Hey, you guys show me what your proposal is, what will happen and, and go for it. Right. So I think, you know, having that freedom to kind of make mistakes in the business has helped us today in terms of just knowing how to do things a lot more efficient and quicker and, and whatnot. Right. Cause you know, my, my dad always said from the very beginning, he says, you are literally going to determine yourself how well you do, you know, never pass the blame or play victim because it just doesn't, get you anywhere and there's a few times where he literally had to tell me that to my face multiple times because i would say oh this manager this 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 and he'd just say no like what are you doing about it he'd always ask me the question what are you doing about it so you know he he definitely told us you know from a very young age the responsibility we would have as well right running a business because you know he he put it very simply to me one day he said aaron i'm literally responsible every two weeks for making 130 families get fed and I was like, okay, wow, like, yeah, that's literally my responsibility today is to make sure literally 130 or 140 families, not just people, get fed every two weeks. So obviously for me, you know, I, I definitely don't take that lightly in terms of my responsibility as a CEO to make sure, you know, we're doing our best to obviously hit all of our growth targets and, and make sure cash is there so we can, can actually pay our team, right? So that's something that definitely was instilled for me from from my dad. Incredible lessons. And um what an opportunity right, to be able to learn by trying and failing, whether it was intentional or not. The fact that he gave you that room to move and experiment, I think, is really, really powerful. Yeah, I'm curious my, if there's any major failures that stand out, anything that really, and failure is perhaps the wrong word, but major lessons you learned by trying things in the beginning. I would say the, like, with my personality of like, go, go, go. Sometimes I would make like definitely in the beginning, like, or even now today, like sometimes I make decisions too quick and then you're like, Hey, I literally could have waited a few days or could have brought this person in and, and it could have been way better. Right. So I think for me, just a, a lot of it in the beginning was patience because like I said, like I'm the type of person that wants to see results right away. And, and now, you know, as, as you mature in your role and as you grow in, in, in your career, you, you know, like things, things do take time to ferment. But doesn't mean you have to sit back and, and let it uh, take as long as maybe I'm I, sorry, I meant you can make things go quicker as, as the leader in, in different ways. So you don't really, you know, yeah, you can sit back, but you can also help things through, go through a lot faster. I'm curious now in terms of a question about legacy. You've had all these incredible lessons passed down from your father. You've also learned on the job and learned a great deal working with your brother as well. What does all of this mean for your kids or the the entire family's next generation do you think about that is there a multi-gen plan to continue the legacy that your father started after immigrating to canada yeah 100 percent. i actually talk about this with my wife you know almost on a daily basis of you know just really passing down that grateful heart and not to take anything for granted uh, like it doesn't matter where we where we go in life or you know, what we have, you know, just really having that grateful heart because if, if they really understood how hard their grandpa worked to give them this life and to give us an opportunity to do what we do, you know, I, I think that really, that nullifies a lot of, you know, the generation today of, you know, the silver spoon generation of just expecting things, right? 
because I, I, I really do believe there's nothing like good old hard work. Like there's, there's really nothing like good old hard work. And I think a lot of it today in today's generation gets missed. Like a lot of people want this right away or that, or they want to be making six figures right out of university in an entry level job. It's just, you know, the expectations and the reality is totally off and totally different. Right. So I think just instilling that in, in my kids, you know, obviously from a young age, you know, it's important to me. And, and even just learning from like how my brother and I didn't get along, you know, growing up, like I'm very cognizant of, of, you know, my boys, but one almost three now and one, you know, a year, uh, a few months, just really letting them know, Hey, you guys are brothers. You guys need to be back to back, you know, love each other. And if you see them today, it's like the biggest joy of my life because they literally, all they do every day is like just kiss and hug each other and roll around together. And like, they're not violent to each other. They're not, you know, they, they just like literally genuinely love like my, my oldest one, Noah always goes, my baby brother, Salman, you know, like he just, he's so proud of his, he's so proud of his little brother. You can just tell like, obviously Solomon loves Noah so much because, you know, he just admires him too. Right. So that's, that's really what's important to me. Yeah. 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 Which actually leads me to the next question. You said hard work is so important and passing down those values to children. How do you feel about children inheriting wealth? Yeah, I feel like if you if you teach them what it means, I, I think it's incredibly powerful. But if you don't explain things and it's just a given and it's just an expectation, I think that's where you can go a bit wrong. Like for, for my dad, for example, like I said, like it, it's, he, he made us work for things, but he also, you know, set a pretty good expectation of what was required, right? So for us, who's getting life lessons and just being taught to be, you know, extremely grateful and not to waste, like he still to this day, like eats like the, uh, like the, the cartilage off, like the bones of like a chicken or whatever, you know what I mean? Like he still has that mentality of not wasting any single you know, part of the chicken or the bone, right? It's the same thing when we were growing up, like don't waste your food and, you know, just little things like that, that, you know, you, you get later, you're like, yeah, wow. Like they're not just saying that to, you know, scare you. Like, like they're literally saying, Hey, like, you know, there's literally somebody who doesn't have what you have or, you know, your situation is never as bad as somebody else's, as, as bad as it is. Right. So incredible. And it, and it reminds me of the, the ice cream story, you know, <laughs> the fact that he can jo- enjoy ice cream, Whenever he wants now, I think is pretty special. So, uh, congratulations to you all. I, well, I always make the joke he could, you know, buy a chain of ice cream shops right now if you want. <laughs> Absolutely, particularly in a new country too. I mean, it, it's an incredible feat, and he should be very proud. Aaron, it's time for our final question now, and it's a question that I ask all of the guests that come on the show. Imagine you're writing a letter to your children. What is one lesson or idea that you don't think many parents would mention, but you consider important to understand? Yeah, I would say if I'm, if I'm writing a letter to my kids today, I would definitely, probably to be honest, like I would really explain to them the importance of family. Because growing up with, with our family and just how tight we are and how incredible it is when you see the family dynamics of today's world where it's like, you know, nobody talks to each other, nobody respects each other, you know, people are calling their parents by their first name and stuff like that. You know, I think just having, just teaching them from a young age, the importance and the the importance of family and the the importance that they're going to play in your life to support you. There's probably nothing like it because we we also kind of take it for granted, right? Like some, some people take it for granted and it's it's interesting to see, you know, other people and their family dynamics because I have a lot of 
other friends and family businesses, like, you know, big businesses, and they have no desire to even be in the business or they don't talk to each other because of, you know, a conflict because of a family business. Right. So I think just having that understanding from a young age that, that we, that, you know, my dad really passed down to me is like, whatever happens at the end of the day, like I'm never going to do anything to compromise my relationship with my brother. Like I'm just not, it doesn't matter. Like my relationship with my brother is bigger than the business. So I think if, you know, I can pass that down to my kids and, and how they live their lives is just really make sure to have each other, but also make sure to really know how important the family is going to play a part. So. It sure is really, really powerful. Aaron, thank you for sharing that beautiful lesson and your story. Congratulations on your success. And I look forward to following the journey from here. Thank you very much, Mike. Appreciate it. And yeah, looking forward to listening in. Thank you. To find more episodes of the Business of Family podcast, go to businessoffamily.net. You can also sign up for my email list at businessoffamily.net forward slash newsletter. After you sign up, you'll receive immediate access to all past issues and then one email per week. You can also follow me on Twitter using at Mike Boyd. If you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend or leave a quick review on iTunes, which will help more people discover the business of family. Thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.